Good morning. morning. This is the day the Lord has made. It is a beautiful day, and you look particularly beautiful this morning. And uh, (laughs) who's whistling back there? (laughs) And uh, we would like to invite you to take a moment to fill in the red ritual of friendship pad. We'd like to know that you're with us today. And we get to sing our um, greeting today as we stand and sing number 657. We're going to do this twice. It's just a one-verse hymn. So we're going to sing twice. This is the day. Glory, 
Ascribe to the Lord all worship and praise. Ascribe to the Lord all mercy and blessing. Worship the Lord and sing praise to his name. Singing hallelujah. Oh, bow down before him, his greatness proclaim. Singing hallelujah. Rejoice and give thanks to his holy name. Ascribe to the Lord all honor and glory. Ascribe to the Lord all worship and praise. Ascribe to the Lord all mercy and blessing. Worship the Lord and sing praise to his name. Worship the Lord and sing praise to his name. Worship the Lord and sing praise to his name. May we continue with a heart and an attitude for prayer. As we join in hymn 395, take time to be holy.
God, we come before you today and give our thanks and praise for you who've put the stars in place, for the beauty of your creation that you craft and mold, for you who have called us and created us in your image. We give you thanks and praise as we sing our, and lift our voices in song that we take time to be holy, but we know that it is in you that we are made whole. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise that we might come to you to lift up our prayers, to share the burdens on our hearts and the joys that we experience, to pray with and for those in need. God, we lift up our friends, our family, our our community, those in this church who are hurting. God, we pray for your healing touch upon broken bones, upon disease, upon hurting hearts, and all that we bear. God, we pray for the affairs of this world, that what seems to be insurmountable, we know that you can do mighty things but in so doing that we know our hearts need to be changed and transformed that we need to continue to learn to not only lift up our voices in prayer but allow our hearts to be in prayer that in so doing your spirit will transform us glorious God we ask you to meet us here that we know when words escape us, when words will never convey what we feel, that you, the great I am, continue to speak. So glorious God, on this morning, as we are together in worship, might we come together in silence to wait upon you to feel your spirit here in this place to move that we might just sit in silence to be reinvigorated restored and refreshed to take a breath and feel your spirit we come in silence Merciful and loving God, we give you thanks that we might lift up these words, that we might lift up our prayers, that we might continue to come before you. We continue to ask you to meet us where we are, knowing that you'll never leave us here, but continue to walk with us, to give us peace and comfort in trying times to give us joy beyond measure for celebrations, to help us to learn to walk by faith, trusting you in all situations, even when it seems insurmountable. Glorious God, we give you thanks. 
And so on this morning as we come together, as we join together as a community, we lift our voices in a communal prayer with those around the world who pray the same. And we lift our prayers as individuals, knowing that you hear. On this day, may we too together pray and share the prayer that your son Jesus Christ, our Savior, taught, that we lift up our prayer saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. receive this morning's gifts, tithes, and offerings.
gifts, tithes, and offerings. We ask that you continue to receive these and bless them, that we are faithful to the ministry of your church in this community and throughout this world. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen and receive a reading from the word of God. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us, according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from St. Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. <clears throat> he also told them this parable. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like the tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to the heavens, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, the man who went down to his home justified rather than the other, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is God's word for God's people. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks in the reading of the word. And we pray now that this word now heard, these words that we have read on page with ink, might become living words. And that by the power of your spirit upon them, this day they may become as good seed that finds its way to good soil, digs deep roots and brings forth harvest. Now the living word of God that finds a place in the soil of our souls and brings to us a harvest unto everlasting life through Jesus Christ, who is the living word of God and in whose name we pray. Amen. Last week we started our sermon series on reasons that people don't go to church, and we shared a brief video with you, and we'd like to share that with you again for those of you who may not have been in service last week so that you can catch up with us as we take looks at reasons that people give not to come to church. Here's a few reasons why people don't go to church. I can't come to church until I get my life together. Church is how I got my life together. Church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites. And there's always room for one more. All they care about is your money. They care about me, not about my money. some kind of dress code? Yes, the code is wear some clothes. Church, it just makes me nervous. I was nervous at first, and then I felt right at home. I'm not sure I believe everything that you believe. But you can still belong. Church is for wimpy girly men. You want to say that again? If you knew me and what I've done, 
You wouldn't want me. If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't be worried. You can come to my church even if you were brought up Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Jewish, Mormon, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Church of Christ, Southern Baptist, a little bit of everything and a whole lot of nothing. See, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. So please, come to my church. Where nobody's perfect. Where beginners are welcome. Where socks are optional. But grace is required. Where forgiveness is offered. Where hope is alive. And where it's okay to not be okay. Really. Again, last week we began our series on reasons and excuses that people give not to go to church. And we hope that this look into the church and what sometimes keeps people away from church will give all of us a better understanding about our own faith, a greater understanding about the church, and a greater understanding about God. I mentioned last week that times have changed. In the last century, people just went to church. It was a part of the fabric of everyday living, but that's not true today. There was a time when Sunday was a day people didn't work and most people found that everything was closed. I can even remember when the first department stores began opening on Sunday in Los Angeles. You might remember it was the May Company in Westwood on Westwood and Pico. That was the first major department store to open on Sunday. I also mentioned that in the New Testament, the word church simply meant those who followed Jesus. Didn't mean a building. It was simply those gathered together whenever and wherever to worship God, to grow in their faith, and to partner with God in ministry and mission. The church was a relationship of those who were simply following Jesus. Last week, we looked at the excuse of those who say, I don't think I can be a part of a church because I don't have my life all together. We looked at the fact that nobody, though, has their lives 100% all together, 100% all put to the place where they wanted. And the church is actually a hospital for sinners and not a museum for saints. So having it all together isn't a priority for anyone to come to church or not. This week we are going to ask the, uh, look at the question of those who say that their excuse for not going to church is that church makes them feel nervous. Now, if you talk to such a person, what would they say causes them this nervousness? Well, yes, we are a pretty ugly looking group of people when you take a good look at us. And I look out there into the congregation. <laughs> and I must say that at times you are a pretty scary looking bunch. My goodness, you are. But you know, actually, you're no scarier looking than any group that you'd meet at a movie theater or in a restaurant. I suspect that people might feel this way because things aren't exactly the way other things that they are used to and they don't quite know what to expect. Some people say they don't like pews and let 
Those same people will go in an auditorium at a concert neatly bunched in with everyone else or go to a movie theater row by row and it doesn't seem to bother them there. Or I guess other people feel nervous because they feel people are too emotional. Someone might say, oh my goodness, God bless you or uh, amen. And yet those same people will go to a football game and are jumping up and down yelling to kill the referee. But even in churches where there is a lot of standing, kneeling, and sitting, the churches that we call bells and smell churches, that it's pretty obvious when you're supposed to do what. And I have often think to myself, what can we do in our own church that if a person came in the first time would make them feel more comfortable in our church, would help them direct them into the things that they're doing. And of course, we have the thing called a worship bulletin. And in that, it's pretty obvious what we're doing next. We even write out the prayers so people don't have to guess what we're praying and the responses so people will know what we're doing. I think that should make people feel pretty comfortable and not so nervous. I think perhaps some people are nervous at church because they have a predetermined understanding in which they expect that the churches are not friendly places. Now, I think we are a pretty friendly church. And I can't believe that most people would necessarily be afraid of most of you who are here in this church. And I will always remember the couple who came to a former church of mine. They attended a few times but didn't come back. And so I called them and said, thinking that perhaps something had been said to them that was offensive. And I asked them, what was wrong? They told me to my surprise, oh no, but we don't like your church because it's too friendly and we want to be left alone. And I can tell you this, that's the first time I've ever had tell me any church was too friendly. I think sometimes people are nervous about church because they don't know what the dress code is, and that's going to be looked at next week in another sermon in this series. But I do remember a family in one of my former churches who started coming. The, the kids were rather shabbily dressed. Uh, the parents' uh, clothing was uh, worn and a bit tatty, and they came a couple Sundays and stopped coming. That's what they said, exactly. <laughs> And um, I gave them a call and I told them that they had been missed, but they told me they thought that they had not been dressed well enough and they were embarrassed to come. Well, I had uh, a man in my church, actually his name was Dick White. He owned a, a um, clothing store up on Lake Avenue, where this is in Pasadena. And uh, I sent them to him and he was going to give them clothes that would help them out. And that week they all went into the store, they were outfitted with the latest looking fashions that would make anyone proud to come to church. However, the next Sunday they weren't there. And so I called them to ask if something was wrong to which they said, oh no, we look absolutely great. In fact, we look so good and are so classy, we decided to become Episcopalians. <laughs> But what I suspect most of all makes people nervous. I think they're a bit afraid of coming into church because they're afraid of being judged by others and what we might think of them. Yes, churches can be judgmental. People have heard about such churches, even what they have heard wasn't exactly true. But I have been in some of those churches and they didn't want me feel like I wanted to come back. I mentioned this last week when I said that I always want people to come into church and I want them to feel this, that embracing love of God. I don't want people coming in and feeling this. I don't want them looking at the pulpit with the minister looking like this. You drips. 
I don't want them coming in and have the minister. Oh, boy, you did it again. <laughs> oh, Clint. Oh, no. Dave, we know who you are. <laughs> Darian, oh my goodness, how could you be here this Sunday after you, what you had done last week? Hey, Janet, <laughs> we know the score. Uh, people don't want to come into church being picked on, although, you know, I love you, boy. That's why, the only reason I pick on you. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, it's a hard life to live in all week long. People are making judgments about us. Students are going to school and the teachers are telling them you got the wrong answers again. You go to work and the boss tells you to shape up. You get pulled over by a police officer and he gives you a ticket for speeding. In week, out week, every day someone is giving us all of these things uh, that are negative and their responses that are put onto us that make us feel worse. And then someone comes to church hoping that some way, some way they'll hear a redemptive message and they get hit in the face and they get hit in the faith with condemnation and judgment again. And so we find ourselves in our story today during a church service and two people who have come and how they respond to God's love and presence. Now, our scripture is that of two men, one of whom despised the other. Now, I can understand about people despising tax collectors. I understand that. I get that. <laughs> who likes a tax collector? Who of you on April 15th said, oh, boy. I love the IRS. It reminds me of the story of the governor of California and the governor of New Jersey who are talking and the governor of California asked, why do we in California have all the tax collectors in our state and you have all the toxic waste dumps? And the governor of New Jersey responds back, we had first choice. <laughs> tax collectors have never been liked. Tax collectors will never be liked. And so here, the Pharisee gets up. He's the good guy. He's the righteous one. He's the religious one. And he stands up proudly for all to see. And he said, oh, God, thank you that I am not like all of these other lowlifes, but especially that dirty, crummy tax collector. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers. Why, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I have. Oh, boy, look what a good boy Am I? Everyone else was judged by his standards of scrupulous adherence to the rules and the regulation of the law as he saw them. The problem was that he was living by his religion and he was not living by a relationship with Jesus Christ. His judgmental eyes could see no further than what he expected others to be like and not how God saw them. But the other man, the tax collector, so understanding his own sin, stood afar off. He couldn't even look to heaven, but he held his eyes down. And it says that he beat his breast at an anguish instead of extolling all of the attributes of his righteousness, could only and simply pray, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And our passage ends with the saying of Jesus who says, this man 
This man was the one who went home justified. Not the other man who, because of his self-importance and his unhumiliation, felt that he was better than everybody else. Yes, you see, the tax collector understood how much he needed grace and forgiveness, but the Pharisee was blinded by his own self-importance and his own ability to somehow, he thought, to earn the love and the forgiveness of God. Now, I want to tell you today plainly, every one of us is here today only because we have been forgiven by Jesus Christ, not by anything that we have been able to accomplish or to do. Don't tell me about your good works. Tell me about our good God. Don't tell me how righteous you are. Tell me how you have found the righteous God of heaven and earth. Don't tell me that you've earned the right to come to church because everything that you have done or I have done, tell me you are here because you, like me, have discovered it is only because of what Jesus Christ has done for us that has brought us together this morning. Don't tell me that you have somehow earned the favor of God. Tell me you have found the favor of him who earned for us by paying the price at Calvary's cross that we might be forgiven. You see, every one of us are in the same boat today. Sinners forgiven only by the grace of God. And I tell you that we have been forgiven not because we have earned it, but simply because God has loved us so much. And I gave up a long time ago being willing to condemn others because my own condemnation has been taken away by the grace of Jesus Christ. And I believe that when the world understands that we live our lives by grace and people can come to church without being condemned, they won't be so nervous about coming to church. You see, ultimately we find out what we are and who we are when we understand that we were created all in the image of God. Dr. Fred Craddock, a United Methodist minister, professor and former preaching teacher at Phillips University, tells the story about how he was vacationing with his wife in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And he said one morning that his wife and he went into a little restaurant hoping to enjoy a quiet quiet family breakfast together. And while waiting for their food, they noticed this very distinguished-looking man, white-haired, moving from table to table, visiting with the guests. And the professor leaned over to his wife and said, I hope he doesn't stop here. But sure enough, the man came over to the table. And he says, where are you folks from? In a very friendly voice. Well, Oklahoma, he answered. And... Um, he said, great to have you here in Tennessee. And the stranger said, what do you do for a living? And Fred replied, I teach at a seminary. And he said, oh, you teach preachers how to preach. Well, I've got a really good story for you. And with that, the gentleman pulled up a chair, sat down at the table in the middle of their breakfast. The professor groaned and he thought to himself, great, just what I needed, another preacher story in the middle of my breakfast. The man started do you see that mountain out there as he pointed through the big glass window in the restaurant? He said, not far from the base of that mountain, there was a boy born to an unwed mother. He had a hard time growing up because every place he went, he was always asked the same question. Hey, boy, 
who's your daddy? He would hide at recess and lunchtime from the other students. He would avoid going into stores because the question hurt him so bad. But when he was 12 years old, a new preacher came to his church. He would always go in late and slip out early to avoid hearing the question again. But one day the new preacher said the benediction so fast that he got caught and had to walk out with the crowd. Just about the time he got to the back door, the new preacher, not knowing a thing about him, grabbed him by the shoulder and said, hey, boy, who's your daddy? And the whole church grew deathly still. Now everyone would finally know the answer to the question, who's your daddy? And the new preacher, though, sensed the situation around him and using discernment that only the Holy Spirit could give, said the following to the scared little boy. Wait a minute. I know who you are. I see the resemblance now. My boy, you are a child of God. And he slapped him on the back. And he said, boy, you go out. And you inherit the blessing that God has given you. And you live your life as a child of the Heavenly Father. And when that boy walked out of that church, he was never the same. And when anybody ever asked him, boy, who's your father? He would say, God's my heavenly father, and I'm a child of God. And he got up from the table, and he looked at Fred Craddock and his wife, and he said, isn't that a great story? And Fred said, you're darn right, it's a great story. And as the man turned to leave, he turned back to Fred and said, you know, if that preacher had never told me that I was one of God's children, I would have never amounted to anything in my life. And he walked away. And Fred and his wife sat in stunned silence at the table. Dr. Credit then called the waitress over and said, do you know that man who was just sitting at our table? And the, the waitress grinned and said, of course, everybody knows him. That's Ben Hooper. He was twice the governor of Tennessee. We are all the children of God. Let's live like it so everyone feels they have a place in God's house. And if we do, then people will never be nervous about coming into God's house again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
Each of us are your children. We are the family of God. And we all know who our Father is. And we've all called to be a part of the church. So help us, O oh God, to always claim our inheritance. To know that we are made in your image. That no one ever has to feel nervous about coming to church because we are all part of that same family. We all need your forgiveness. We all need your strength. We all need your grace. O oh God, restore us once more, united in the understanding that you've called us all to the cross of Christ. For it's in his name, his sake and ours, we pray. Amen. May I invite you to stand as we join together in our hymn of dedication number 572, for we have a message that is worth to pass on to everyone about the love of God. continue to pass it on, to proclaim it from the mountaintop, to proclaim it in our house, to proclaim it to all that God loves you no matter what. 
May we go forth this day to serve and to be a light of Christ. Go now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Amen.